0: And so I uh, hope that you brought a snack with you, um, and uh, it's going to be an interesting night. My wife took a look at it, and she says, you're going to try to do all that tonight? And I said, well, we're going to try. So uh, we'll see what happens. But we've been talking about Bible doctrine and knowing what we believe. And so tonight, uh, the Lord led me this week to, to, to uh, maybe take a, uh, another avenue when it comes to studying the Word of God and helping us to know a little bit more about our Bible. And one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago was this matter of revelation. And if you remember what revelation is, revelation is God communicating his truth to us. That's what revelation is. Now, when you think of revelation, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term uh, progressive revelation, Uh, I think a lot of us understand the word progressive or to make progress. When you think of revelation and you talk about progressive revelation, understand this, or just let me ask it this way. Did God give all of his word at the same time? No. It took took many years before all the word that God gave was given by God, all right? It was over a span of Of many many years so progressive revelation helps us understand that God did not unfold his entire plan for all of humanity just in the book of Genesis I mean that that would be really hard for us to get a hold of God's heart and plan for all of mankind just from the book of Genesis now the reality is is that if you look at just the Old Testament which is more than half of our Bible then understand that even in the Old Testament, God didn't fully give us his entire plan for all of humanity. So progressive revelation is something that helps us understand uh, God's plan for all of mankind. Now I gave you this statement, and I want you to write it down. Is the basic principle in the thought of progressive revelation is that men, and, and it's all of mankind, that they are accountable for what they know, and they are to respond to the light that was given to them by God. Now, let me say that again. See, God gives us his word. And so when you think about God giving us revelation, if God has revealed something unto us and he is, he is shown by his Holy Spirit, he's guided us into that truth, then we are responsible, we're accountable See, we can't claim ignorance, all right? If if we have knowledge of it, then that's not ignorance, that's rebellion if we choose not to do that. Are you with me tonight? Okay. Now listen, it's gonna get deeper than this, so I need this is the easy part, okay? So stay with me, all right? And 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 just just hang on there for. But here's the thing is we as as Bible-believing Christians, just like those in days of old, we're accountable for what God has given to us, for what we have knowledge of, and watch this. We're also supposed to respond to what it is. We're not just supposed to be a hearer of the word, but a what? A doer of the word, all right? So as we think about God giving us, now we use the word light, because remember, Jesus is the light of the world, right? And so Jesus is the revelation of God. What's the last book in our Bible called? The book of Revelation, right? And it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So as God, as he shows us, as he reveals things to us from his word, we are to respond to that light that God's given to us. You, you ever gone into a, uh, it, I don't really like to do this myself, and, I, and even given the illustration, it probably creep some of you out, but you ever uh, go to a hotel and you, uh, you open the door to your hotel room and you flip the light on and you see things go... Anybody ever been in one of those? (laughs) You those, You know what those little critters are doing? They're responding to the light. As soon as you flip the lights on, they run for a dark spot. Well, when it comes to God's Word, God gives us His Word, and we're accountable for that. God gives us more light, more revelation, and here's the thing is that God then requires more of us as he gives us more revelation. Now, this approach that I'm talking about tonight, we're going to get into in this study. This approach to the scriptures is, and I just want to say this as clear as I can. This this approach we're talking about tonight, it might be new to you, but it's not doing away with the Old Testament. See, I've never been one of those people. There are people today who believe that you should should slice your Bible between the Old and New Testament and just get rid of the Old Testament because we're living in the New Testament time. I don't believe that. I believe all scriptures give my inspiration of God. I believe that it's all given for our examples. And that, listen, I am to preach the whole counsel of God. So what I'm saying tonight, and I want to say it up front is, you know, again, some of you may or may not have heard what I'm about to teach on tonight. It is Bible, but I want you to understand that I'm not saying as we approach this, this is just yet another way to approach the Word of God. We've talked about revelation and canonization and, and illumination, and tonight we're going to talk about another another aspect of approaching it, but I'm not saying we're discounting or we're getting rid of the Old Testament. Everybody, everybody heard that tonight, all right? want to make sure we understand that before we get into this study. Now, as we think about this, it is simply put this way, that as we approach the way we're talking about tonight, the Word of God, what I am trying to get you to do is what I've been doing for the last six weeks, and that is this, to rightly divide the Word of Truth. Now, I thought about doing this tonight. I thought about bringing a nice big pie, in here tonight, and yeah, and that's why I didn't, <laughs> because I thought if I cut that pie up, trying to illustrate to rightly divide it, if you take a pie, and, and you cut it down the middle, and then you cut it down the middle the other way, and then you cut each one of those down the middle, does anybody know how many pieces you have? Eight, all right, now that's going to come back, because I'm going to share something with you in a minute, but in other words, rightly divide it. Now, if it's a key lime pie, my wife doesn't rightly divide her key lime pie. I mean, her piece, just the knife goes off uh, when she's, you know, but when it comes to the word of God, listen, this is what God says in 2 Timothy 2.15, we've got to cut it straight. So tonight, what I'm going to share with you, I believe, is the way God has given his word And it's yet another approach that we can understand the word of God a little bit better. So the word that we're going to use tonight is not my word. It's not Baptist words. It's not Bible Baptist Church's word. It's a Bible word, and it's the word dispensation. Anybody ever heard the word? Okay, some of us have, dispensation. Now, the word dispensation means administration of the truth. That's what it means. An administration of the truth. We're going to see how this comes into play, but unless you understand the dispensations or the dispensational approach to the Word of God, you're going to struggle to understand the Bible. Because what's going to happen is the Bible will be to you a book of confusion. You have to understand, again, as God gave us his word, and it's rightly divided. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter number one. Let me me show you. We'll come back to 2 Timothy 2 here in just a minute. But I want you to look in Hebrews chapter number one at at a verse here that that really illustrates what I'm I'm trying to get to tonight. Everybody there? Hebrews 1, and look at verse number one. God, who at what? Sundry times and in what? Diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now, in verse number two, he mentions, and in these days by his son, which is Jesus. But when you look at this verse right here, verse number one, the most important thing in the verse is the first word, which is what? God, right? So this is God. And God is going to reveal, God's going to share some things with mankind. Aren't you glad God shared some things with you? I mean, you hold God's word in your hand tonight. What what an amazing thing that is, that you hold something that is heavenly in your hands right now. That's God's words. And the Bible says right here, God who at sundry times, now sundry times, here's what God is saying, is that at times, one time that it was by history, maybe God uh, revealed something, maybe in the Bible, maybe God revealed something by prophecy, maybe God used poetry, Maybe, maybe another time, maybe it was a proverb, maybe sometimes it was a solemn warning or a special message. Hey, listen, all these things that I'm talking about are all things that you find in the Word of God, and the Bible says, who at sundry times, the ancient revelation of the Word of God was a collection of a variety of writings that were on different subjects. Is every book in the Bible on the same subject? No. God addresses totally different subjects in different books of the Bible. And so when you think about this, he not only covers different subjects, but it's given at different times. When you see the progression of the Word of God, you clearly see that there's a New Testament, there's an Old Testament, and even in those testaments, there were writings that were given by God, Scripture given by God, that was at different times by different people. So that's when, he, when, when the writer of the book of Hebrews says, God, who at sundry times, he's saying, look, it's a collection of a variety of writings, different subjects, different times, that's what he means by sundry times. Now, go back to verse number 1 in Hebrews 1 there. He says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners. Now, here's what that means. Okay? When you look at how God gave us his word, he employed a variety of methods to communicate his will. God uses different methods. One time it might have been a direct communication from God himself. Other times, as you read it, it could be through a dream. Remember, Joseph, visions in the Bible. There's a variety of ways that God employed how to communicate his will to mankind. Remember in the Old Testament where God used a donkey? You know, God can use anything to communicate to us what he wants us to know. So when, the, when you see in Hebrews chapter 1, in verse number 1, God who had sundry times and in diverse wa- manners spake in time past. Now when I think about these this matter of dispensations, the administration of the truth, the word dispensation is a Bible word. Maybe you've seen these verses before, but I gave them to you in your notes tonight. Look at Colossians 1.25. Paul writes there to the church. And he says, whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given unto me for you. Well, what is the dispensation that God gave to him for them? It was to fulfill the word of God. See, God, God called Paul, and it was, it was Paul, look, right now, this is my time period I told Brother Kenny and Brother, Brother Chris the other day, we were sitting in my office and I was challenging them about holding the banner high and about not dipping our collars and not, uh, not giving in to uh, some of the things that you see even in ministry today. And I said, listen, this is how I feel about it is just like in the Old Testament, God has put me right now on the wall and it's my responsibility to be a watchman. And I told Brother Kenny and Brother Chris, I said, listen, you might not be pastoring this church, but you are a, an assistant to the pastor. God's put you here, and you have a respected ministry, and you are on the wall right alongside of me. And I can, can I tell you tonight, you might not be called into the ministry, but every one of you have areas of responsibility that you need to be watching for yourself, for those that you know, for your children, for whoever it may be, And listen, when we think about what it says here, Paul says, look, it's this dispensation of God that he has committed unto me. Look what he wrote to those in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 9, 17. He says, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Now Paul says, look, I've I've been given the gospel. He says, it's my time to carry the good news of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial. This is the time that God's given. Look, Paul's in heaven today. Paul's, not, he, Paul's no longer carrying the gospel like he did back then, but that was his dispensation of the gospel. Look what he writes to the church in Ephesus. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given me to you word. There again, he mentions the dispensation of the grace of God. Ephesians 1, look what he says here, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Hey, listen, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And the Bible says that the dispensation of the fullness of times, look, one day God's gonna bring all of us together. It won't just be Bible Baptist Church. It's going to be all the saints in God. The Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints. Hey, listen, God's going to bring us all together. And and listen, the Bible has much to say about these dispensations. And remember the illustration of the pie tonight, cutting it straight? Well, when you look in the Bible, guess how many dispensations you find? Eight of them. And God has given them to us in his word. Now, I want to take you through them tonight tonight. This may be something very foreign to you. I'm going to go through this very fast, but I want you to take it, and I want you to do like the cow would do. I want you to chew on it for a while, all right? And I want you to think about this. Now, some of you may, be, may have heard some of this before, but I, I think as you look at it tonight, it, 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 scripturally, it makes total sense. And as you go through these different dispensations, remember the word means administration of truth, okay? then understand that you're going to see a pattern. You're going to see, because God is a God of order, you're going to see this pattern repeating itself. You know, they always say history repeats itself, right? right. Uh, a lot of times pe- I've heard people say, look, if your clothes are out of style, just put them in the closet because they'll come back around again, you know? I, don't, I hardly ever keep, the, you know, the one tie that I haven't seen ever come back into style is those big clown ties. Remember those, Brother Guy? I mean, those things were like that wide. They were like a bib that you wore, you know? And, but, but listen, a lot of things will come back around. And you're going to find that when we go through these dispensations that there's a pattern, and I want you to see this. Let's start with the first dispensation. It's, it's referred to as the dispensation of innocence. The dispensation of innocence. Now, if you want to write it down there next to this, here's where you'll find this in your Bible. Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Now, that right there ought to help you understand a little bit about the the age of innocence or the dispensation of innocence. Now, think about that. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, you know what that means? This dispensation was (laughs) short-lived. This dispensation didn't happen. It didn't last long. And I want you to notice, write it down. Here's the pattern. I'm going to I put blanks on the first one. Some of you already written it down there. Notice the time frame. okay? So when you look at the time frame for this dispensation of innocence, the time frame is from the creation of the world to the fall that took place. where? In the garden, right? So that's the time frame. Now what is man's responsibility during this? dispensation, during this, this, this administration of time that God gave in the garden. Well, here's what man's responsibility was. It was to choose to believe God or to believe Satan. And you remember, remember who came to the man and the woman in the garden? Who was it? Satan. Remember what he said? Hath God said. And guess what? They were faced with a choice. See, God's plan from the beginning was that they would believe God, that they would, they would trust God. They would have faith in God, just like today. The just shall live by faith. So look, when you see man's responsibility, man had one responsibility, and that was to believe God. But if he didn't believe God, then guess what? He was going to believe the lies of the devil. So what happened? Man fell. Letter C, man's failure. What, what did man do? He chose to believe Satan rather than believe God. He believed the lie. See, they took the fruit. They saw it, they took it, they ate of it. They sinned against God. So man failed. Now, guess what happens? When we sin, there's always consequences to sin. You know, the Bible says that as you think about this, listen, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The wages of sin is death. And that's what happened in the garden. They were eternally separated from God. So notice here that the consequences were that it, they were the consequences for the man, for the woman, for the earth, and for Satan. All of them were underneath of the, the, the weight of this. And the Bible says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, the book of Romans says. Notice it doesn't say by one woman. A lot of us guys like to say, well, you know, it was the woman. Yeah, she might have sought it and took it and gave it to him. But guess what? Ultimately, God holds the man responsible, accountable. And so notice that the consequences was it was the man, woman, the earth, and Satan. But here's the best part. Look at the last part of this, this pattern is, yes, God gave man a responsibility. Yes, man failed. Yes, there was consequences to that sin. But look at the last one is God's mercy. You're going to see that over and over again, all right? The mercy of God. Now, what do we see here? The best thing ever in the Bible, Genesis 3.15, it's it's where you see the first presentation of the gospel in the Bible. Right there in the middle of that fall, you see what they call the proto-evangelium, the first time the gospel is shared and how that it will bruise his head and bruise his heel, and that's all about the Lord and about Satan. It's about a blow to the head that, that is a death blow. Listen, that, that blow isn't going to be to Jesus. See, the devil thought he won when Jesus was crucified. Little did he know that up from the grave he would rise. And so think about this, this age of innocence. Hey, listen, God created them. They were naked, no clothes, and they didn't even know it until they sinned. And then they were aware of what they had done and, and that they had no clothes. So, the first dispensation, the first administration that you find of truth in the Bible is this dispensation of innocence. Write the second one down. It then goes to the dispensation of conscience. All right? Now, again, if you want to write it down there next to it in your Bible, this is Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Genesis chapter 7. So, you find in these chapters this matter of conscience. Now, Also, this time period, this second dispensation, it wasn't short-lived like the first dispensation. Many believe that this second dispensation on conscience lasted about 1,656 years long. This age of conscience, this dispensation of conscience. Now, we all know, listen, every one of us here tonight, everyone that's ever been born into this world, God has given us a free will, right? God, doesn't, God didn't make us robots. God gives us a free will to choose what we want to do. So as a result, here's what you find in Genesis 3 through 7, is that every man was doing that which is right in his own eyes. Do you think that still describes today? Boy, does it. It's amazing. You know, I, I watched, well, I didn't watch it, I just heard while I was getting ready this morning. Uh, they said that Nancy Pelosi and all the Democrats were going to meet behind closed doors and they were going to talk about the president and impeaching the president and and, you know listen a lot of stuff that they're doing right now is not even legal and they're just doing it why because everybody does that which is right in their own eyes you know be honest with you a lot of stuff that the president does is not necessarily legal but see that's just that's the nature of it when you get to the second dispensation in the word of god what god shows us is this dispensation of conscience now look at it. here's the pattern again a lot of you've already looked at it is the time frame here is remember the fall ends the first dispensation they've been cast out of the garden right and so this goes from the fall to the flood all right so as you think about this time period god gives man a responsibility this is what you see in every one of these administrations of of truth, this dispensation. So here's what man was supposed to do. Choose either good or evil. Every one of them had a choice. What Did man fail? Sure he did. Man became wicked and he pursued evil. Now, what man was alive during this time? Noah. Noah. And, and listen, Noah, according to the Bible, the New Testament, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. I guarantee you, Noah was viewed by the world of his day as an A1 weirdo. They probably thought to themselves, who is this guy? John the Baptist and Noah would have probably been in the same class. See, anybody that lives for the Lord, especially in a wicked generation, is going to be deemed as, you're, you're out there, man. That's what, they're, that's what they're going to say about him. And, and to the world, when we live for God, we're, we're outcasts we're considered weird and strange. Isn't that that amazing? You find someone today that's a virgin and they're not married yet. That, That is a rarity. And people find that out. Guess what they do? They make fun of people like that. It's a sad day that we're living in. And Noah's day was a sad day. Why? Because man failed and he became wicked. Why? Because he was pursuing every evil thing he could get his hands on. He he wanted nothing to do with what Noah was about, Noah's God. So what was the consequences in this second dispensation? That judgment of God came through the flood, a worldwide catastrophe. God flooded the earth, and the world as it was known in that day was no more. It was wiped out from the face of the earth. Hey, listen, God shut the door on the ark. And all those people that were laughing, just like the people today, that say, hey, listen, I don't care. I'm going to hell, and I'm going to party for all of eternity. Someday they're going, to be, they're going to be weeping and wailing from hell. And listen, as you think about this, man was rebelling against God. God's judgment came upon them. But here it is. Here's the best part. God's mercy. Notice every dispensation, what happened? Eight people, Noah's family, God saved them. You know, God could have wiped out all of mankind, but he didn't. God saved an entire family, and all of that happened as a result of the grace and mercy of God. So we see the second dispensation is a dispensation of conscience, all right? Now, look at the third one, because that ends with the flood. The next dispensation is the dispensation of human government, all right? Now, this this gets interesting. If you want to write it down, this would be Genesis chapters 8, through Genesis chapter 11. Now, isn't that interesting? We're, we're in the third dispensation in the Bible and we're only 11 chapters into the Bible. 11 chapters, not books, 11 chapters in the Bible. That's why the first 12 uh, chapters in the book of Genesis are some of the richest chapters in the Bible, those first 12 chapters. So much happens in those chapters. Now, here's what happens is, remember, in the last dispensation, God had destroyed the entire earth, right? Remember Noah and his family, they get off the ark, and what does God tell them to do? He says, I want you to replenish and multiply the earth. That's what God told them. So as a result of that, uh, God made some promises to Noah and his family. The, 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 I always have a hard time saying it, but it's the covenant With Noah. (laughs) usually the way I say it. The the Noahic covenant. I don't know how you say it, Brother Robert, but y'all know what I'm talking about. But he he made a covenant with Noah and his family. Now, here's the time frame. This would be from the flood to the building of the tower of what? Babel. All right? Now, the tower of Babel. many believe that that tower, that they began to build that tower about 325 years after the flood. So think about that. For 325 years, what was Noah and his family supposed to be doing? They were supposed to be replenishing the earth. But as a result, they, they were kind of kind of re- going back to the way they were before the flood. And they were kind of doing their own thing. And then they decided, well, listen, we're going to build this tower so that we can, we can get up to God. Now, is that what God wanted man to do, build a tower? No, God never instructed them to build a tower. So as a result of that... Notice what was man's responsibility. Well, here it is. Man was to govern the earth for God. See, it's in these chapters that you find God establishes. See, back in Genesis chapter 3, God established the home. Here in these chapters, you find God established the government. Why? Because man cannot govern himself. I mean, you take all the speed limit signs down out of our area and see what happens. You know, the truth is right now, people don't even act like they're there anyway. But man, man cannot govern himself because of his rebellion. And that's how man fails in this dispensation of human government. But notice what's the consequences of this. Well, remember what God did? God confounded the languages, and guess what happened? He scattered the people across the earth. Now, listen, honestly, think about this. So many times people say, God is such a mean God. Do you remember what he told Noah and his family? I want you to multiply and replenish the earth. They hadn't gone anywhere. They were still right there. God had told them to go, but they were still right there in the same place. So look at this. This really, what happens is, God says, okay, if you're not going to go, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to scatter you. And so God brought about that. By the way, same thing happened in the New Testament. They were not just supposed to sit on their laurels in Jerusalem. They were supposed to go to all the ends of the earth. And it's important for us, so many, as they call them, Bible college towns nowadays. You go to these towns where there's a Bible college, and you go, you go to any restaurant, and you go to all these places around town, and they're filled with people that are working there that went to Bible college that had God's call in their life, and they're flipping hamburgers instead of doing what God's called them to do. Listen, if God tells us to go replenish, if God tells us to go to the regions beyond, then let's go to the regions beyond. So what does God do? He scatters the people. Now, again, people say, boy, that's awful mean. Well, look how mean it is. Look at God's mercy. See the pattern coming back around here? God sought another man to follow him. God God says, look, if you're not going to do it, then I'm going to find somebody that will. And God always has, you you look at, search the scriptures. God always has another person waiting in the wings. When Moses was about to pass off the scene, who was there? Joshua was. Uh, You know, when Paul was about to pass off the scene, Timothy was waiting. You know, so you find here a dispensation called a time of human government, all right? Now, notice the fourth dispensation. This one's called the dispensation of promise, the dispensation of promise. Now, right down there, maybe somewhere by that, this would be in your Bible from, Exodus, uh, from, from Genesis 12 all the way over to Exodus chapter 19. So in your Bible, this would, this would cover a lot in your Bible, Now, what what individual are you thinking about right here? Yeah, you looked at the slide, didn't you? (laughs) So this is, look at the time frame. This is, you know, he confounded them. He scattered them. So what happens? God calls Abraham. And God begins to make a promise that Abraham would be the father of many nations. And so from this time of the call of God on, on Abraham's life through the patriarchs, to the exodus from where? From Egypt, all right? So what was man's responsibility? God says, look, I've given you the land. I want you to stay in the land. I don't want you to go into Egypt. Does anybody know in the Bible what Egypt is a type of? It's a type of the world. Do you know that God still says in the New Testament, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. God doesn't want the church to look like the world. We are to be distinctly different. And even in the Old Testament, it was God's will that his people would stay in God's land and not go the way of the world. So what happens? Man fails. What does he do? Jacob takes us. Remember, there was a famine. People say, but but pastor, if they didn't go, they were going to starve to death. Listen, don't you think that God can furnish a table in the wilderness? I didn't hear too many amens there. Getting all the quiet say, you know, pastor, you know, I mean, the bills are piling up. Is God still on the throne? So, so here's what happens is Jacob takes, you know, yeah, yes. God providentially has Joseph in Egypt. And, and, and so the whole thing works out. What does Jacob do? Jacob goes with his entire family, goes into Egypt. God didn't want that. God didn't want his people in Egypt's land. So as a result of that, what happens? Here's the consequences. Slavery, a a life of bondage. How about this? They picked up all the idolatrous religions of Egypt. Why do you think God did not want his people to be a mixed generation? Because he did not want all their little gods to influence his people. And that's why God says to us that we need to make sure that we don't... God says, I'm the only God you need in your life. But what did they do? They went down into Egypt's land. Now, here's how good God is. Look at this. God gives them a deliverer, and he gives them deliverance. See, by the way, all of this just points to the, to the one who was the deliverer. We call him our savior, which is Jesus. So here's what we find is God makes a bunch of promises in the dispensation of promise, and God develops a great nation that God at that time chose them to be his people. And so we see God working through Abraham. So that's the dispensation of promise. It was an administration of truth in the Old Testament. Now that takes us to the fifth one, which is the dispensation of the law. Now, this particular time frame, if you want to write it down, lasted about 1,500 years, the dispensation of the law. As you get to this dispensation, you find God specifically dealing with the nation of Israel, the Jewish nation, and there are a lot of covenants that God makes, a lot of promises. By the way, God's promises are unconditional. It, listen, it does matter what Israel, what the Jews do today, but no matter how the Jews live, guess what? God's promises never change. Because when God makes a promise, that promise is not based on man. It's based on the goodness and mercy and and the faithfulness of Almighty God. So here's what we see is in this dispensation of law, watch this. It's from the Exodus when they left where? Egypt. Egypt. And watch this, all the way to where? The cross. Now think about that. This is a big time frame right here, okay? This is when they've left Egypt's land in the Old Testament all that happened in your Bible for that time that they left Egypt, all the way to Calvary, okay? This is a big time frame. So what was man's responsibility during this time? To keep the law of God. And remember, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to who? Bring us to the Lord, right? So even in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, they were entrusted with the oracles of God to keep the law of God. Well, how did man fail during that time period? They failed to keep the law. They didn't keep it. See, God says, look, that is your number one. By the way, it's still the same today, that, that every one of us is God's children, that we wouldn't pick and choose and do what we want, but that we would observe and keep all that God has asked us to do, all that God has commanded us to do. And so they failed to keep the law. So what is the consequences? Hey, think about all that happened to the nation of Israel the captivity, the dispersion, the diaspora of the Jewish people. Now, the mercy of God during this time frame was that, listen, God did wait 40 years before he destroyed Jerusalem. He gave them an opportunity. And so during this dispensation of the law, we see that man was entrusted with the law, with the ways of God, but yet they decided to ignore that. And again, there was a lot of things that developed. I don't have time to go into that. But notice the next dispensation tonight, and this is an exciting one here, is, I'm going to put it this way, the church, grace, and the Holy Spirit. That's this dispensation. Now, this one that that I'm going to talk about right now is one that a lot of people call a lot of different things. Now, notice I use the word grace there because it is a time where God's grace is evident. Okay, Great grace was upon them. Uh, Certainly, it's a time where Jesus established the church uh, because Jesus came, and he said, he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And watch this. When Jesus was crucified and rose and went back to be with the Father, the promise of the Father was the sending of the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit of God. This present time that we live in, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in the, in the, in the life of every believer. And so what's exciting about this dispensation right here this sixth dispensation is, this is the time frame that we are currently living in right now. You get that. See, when you look at your Bible, you understand that this is from the cross to the rapture. That's the next event that's going to happen on God's timetable. Now, what's our responsibility during this present time? To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's the most important thing that anyone could do because if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll have eternal life. So what is man doing in this day? Man's loving himself instead of loving God. See, listen, man's too in love with himself. Uh, the, the vain and, and just all about themselves. It's all about, you know, people uh, uh, working out and all this type of stuff. Look, I, nothing wrong with being fit, but, but sometimes what happens is our bodies become our idols. We spend all of our time seeking the things of this world instead of seeking those things which are above. And so man fails because he's loving himself. What's the consequences? Romans chapter 1, God gives them up to their vile affections. You know, God's only going to contend with man for so long. You ask ask the nation of Israel, and they'll tell you. You know, you keep turning a deaf ear, keep turning your back on God, God's not going to beg you. Now, it's evident, look at this, God gives man up because of man's unbelief in this present generation, but look at the mercy of God. God's word has been given. What is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword? God's word. See, God's given. That's why when you come to church, that's why the word of God needs to be given out. That's why when you have a Bible at home, you need to be reading your Bible. And here's the other part is not only has God given us his word, but he's given his Holy Spirit who is working and convicting and guiding us into all truth. Hey, It's a wonderful day to be alive, folks. God has has given us a wonderful time frame. This dispensation uh, that we're currently living in, it began with the New Testament covenant that was established by the blood of Jesus Christ. And when I think about this generation, boy, it's exciting for me to think about this dispensation we're living in. It's a worldwide dispensation. It includes both the Jews and the Gentiles. It's a dispensation that has lasted for already uh, uh, some 2,000 years. And here's the amazing thing is this dispensation, before we move on, no one knows when it's going to end. No one knows. But when I think about this dispensation... Here's what I do understand about it is is that what is going on right now according to the scriptures this time we're living in is right between the 69th and 70th week of Daniel's prophecy and when this time frame this dispensation of the church and grace and the holy spirit or whatever you want to call it when this dispensation ends with the rapture then that 70th week of Daniel is going to commence and that takes us to the next dispensation which is the dispensation of the tribulation the tribulation now again when you look at this uh, we all know that this is this is a time frame where we're going to see a lot of things taking place the time of tribulation how many years is it 7 years Seven years, three and a half, three and a half, it, it, it's, gonna, it's gonna be the time of tribulation and then the time of great tribulation. Boy, you start reading the chapters in the book of Revelation and you hear about the judgment of God being poured out upon this earth unlike anything that's ever, ever, ever happened in this world. Listen, there's a lot of widespread flooding going on right now, and there are people's lives being lost, and you turn on the news and you see all this devastation. None of that's going to compare to what happens when God begins to pour out his wrath on this world. And this, this dispensation here, it goes from the rapture. Well, what's the rapture? All the saints, the dead in Christ, shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hey, listen, that means that all the saved, all the believers are gone. So this time frame goes from that rapture until the advent. Now, if you're not familiar with the word advent, that means the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, because when Jesus comes at what we call the rapture, he's not coming back to the earth. He's coming in the air. We're going to meet him in the air. But see, the advent, the second coming of Christ is when Jesus is going to come and he's going to put his foot down upon the Mount of Olives and he's going to establish his kingdom, the one that they wished he would have done when he was here the first time. So when you think about this, during this time period, now look, we're not here in the tribulation. We're not there yet. But what's man's responsibility during that time? To worship God because of the gospel. See, they, they are to... Turn to God, to worship God, to, 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 to understand who God is. But even during that time, man is going to fail. Evil men will not repent no matter what happens. It's going to be a sad time. And because of man's failure, look at the consequences. According to the Bible, there's going to be utter destruction and the, the battle of what's called the Battle of Armageddon. I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you ever read about some of this stuff in your Bible. I, I wish I had time tonight. But notice God's mercy in this dispensation of tribulation is that there will be those Jews that are preserved and sealed and there will be Gentiles that will be saved during this time period. It's going to be a wonderful time period for some to be saved, but listen, they're going to be saved out of that tribulation. Now, the best part for us is we won't have to go through it, but it should heighten our awareness and give us a greater zeal to to witness to those that we know that are not saved so that they don't go through this time period. So that's the, that's the dispensation of tribulation. Then look at the last one, is the dispensation of the kingdom. And this is, the, this is from the second coming of Christ to what is known as the great white throne judgment. Now there's two judgments that the Bible talks about. One is the Bema seed or the judgment seat of Christ. That's where all the saved go and they're not going to be judged whether they go to heaven or hell that's already been decided when they trusted christ as their savior heaven is our home nothing will ever change that when you got saved you got eternal life but see here's the thing is one day we will give an account of the life that we live for christ everything we've done will be tried so as by fire but this great white throne judgment is a different judgment this is for the unsaved this is where the lord will say Depart from me, for I never knew you. This will be where the Lord sets up his kingdom, and he he established his millennial kingdom, which is how long? thousand years. So what is man's responsibility during this dispensation? To obey and submit to the king of kings. By the way, that's the way it should have always been. What's man's failure during this dispensation? There's going to be pretended obedience to God... But they're really going to be following Satan during this time frame. And the consequences, according to the scriptures, are they are going to be destroyed by fire from God. And as a result of that, look, at here's the best part. For, for, for those that, that, that respond in the right way, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. I hate to tell some religious groups, but this isn't heaven on earth right now. Not according to the scriptures. Now, I went through those dispensations but I'll say this to you, It is when God's history, when we get to this place in history, notice that this is when His story will move from the aspect of time to this aspect of eternity. Because we'll be with the Lord for all of eternity. Now before we go tonight, and I'm going to go through these quickly. I want to give you some conclusions about the dispensational approach to the scriptures, all right? Some of you, I could tell, that some of these things you've never heard before. And, and to be honest with you, you may differ, and I'm okay with that. I want you to search the scriptures yourself. But let me give you some conclusions about this dispensational approach to the word of God. Number one, write it down. In each dispensation, we just looked at eight of them, the trend of man is to go away from God. That's the trend of man. See, man, by nature, doesn't want to get closer to God. Man does everything he can to get away from God. In each generation, each one of those dispensations. Number two, the common denominator for the responsibility of man, the common denominator is to believe the Word of God and to obey God. That's the common denominator. That's our responsibility. And every one of those dispensations is to believe God's Word and to obey God. Notice the third conclusion. At the end of every dispensation, and we saw this, God gives man up to his own way, yet he shows mercy in providing salvation to move forward into another time. See, God doesn't just leave us there. God doesn't say, that's it, I'm done. God's mercy is evident. Don't tell me God is not love, because the Bible says, shows it over and over and over again. The mercy of God is evident. God providing, and when I say providing salvation, I'm not talking about eternal life. I'm talking about deliverance out of the mess that that man has found himself in time and time and time again. Number four, the next conclusion. Each dispensation shows that evil is headed up in a person or persons that reject God. Same is true today. You find even some Bible colleges, hey, listen, Princeton and Dartmouth and Harvard, all of these were bastions for Christian colleges when they started many, many years ago. I believe Harvard started in 1636. Today, they don't even, they have this open forum to embrace all religions in the world. You go to their website, you can click on it and it'll tell you about Buddhism and Islam right on the website, on on Harvard's website. That's their school of divinity. And, and this is what you find people who are rejecting every one of these dispensations, you find it's people that are rejecting God. Look at the fifth conclusion every dispensation ends in a universal crisis. When you get down to it, something happens. Is some universal, something affecting all of mankind? Look at the number six in every dispensation, God comes down to meet the needs of man. Hey, you know what I call that? Christmas. Right? You know what we needed? A savior. And God sent us a savior and a great one. And so in every one of these dispensations, God meets the needs of man. What is our need? We're sinners and we need to have our sins forgiven. Number, number seven, You must never take truth, now this is a dispensational approach, you must never take truth that belongs to a past dispensation and bring it to to the present. In other words, I'm not going to go back to the age of innocence, I'm not going to go back to the age of promise and bring it into this present generation that I'm in. But notice also, look at the next one, is you should also not take the truth from a future dispensation and apply it to the present. You can't go to the time of tribulation or the time of the kingdom and take something that is yet future and bring it to this present dispensation that we're in. All right, look at the next one. And by the way, before I move on, think about this, or I guess actually it's number nine, do not put the present into the future take what's going on right now and say, look, we want to put it, some people are trying to do that. I may, I may take a, a Wednesday night and talk about that, but here's a, here's a good one is the church, if you study the scriptures, there's no evidence of the church saved believers going through the time of tribulation. If you look in the book of Revelation, after Revelation chapter number four, you don't see any evidence of Christians on the earth during that time of tribulation, until you get to about uh, Revelation chapter number 19. Why? Because they're all gone. How do you know that? Because the Bible tells me so. So when you think about this, now, what happens is, is that the saved are gone, and the Bible tells us that it's the time of Jacob's trouble. You know what that means? It's the time of the Jews. It's God's program for the nation of Israel. It's going to start up again, and so understand you don't take something from the present and put it into the future and then look at number 10 in every age every age men were and are saved by grace through faith on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now let me say that again. Doesn't matter if it's Old Testament Doesn't matter if it's the present we're living in, doesn't matter if it's the future, doesn't matter if it's the time of tribulation, doesn't matter if it's all the way back here in the age of innocence, every person has always been saved the exact same way, by faith, the grace of God, it's it's always been the same, folks, It's, it's looking to the Lord Jesus, whether it was before the cross, whether it was after the cross, every man has always been saved the exact same way, now I'll make these couple statements and we're done a dispensational approach to the word of God. Here's what it does. When you look at what we've gone through tonight, very quickly, it actually considers biblical biblical history as it was divided by God into defined periods or ages to which God has assigned distinctive administrative principles. Remember, the, the whole word dispensation means an administration of truth. So what God has done is he, he has defined these periods, these ages. God has assigned distinctive administration principles. So as we have seen tonight in every age of God's plan, that God has administered, God has administered in a certain way. And humanity, every last one of us in the current dispensation we're living in, just like those before us and those after us, We're accountable to God for what we have knowledge of, for the light that God has given to us to be stewards of what God has already shared with us. So the takeaway for us tonight is this, that we have to understand God's divine ordered plan for all of mankind. Now I know a lot of you are writing pretty fast, and if you're like my wife, my wife is a very visual person. So throw that next slide up there, Brother Mike. Oh, here's the verse here. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of what? Truth. 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 Now, here, I want you to look at this because I put this together today to, to just give out to you. That's everything right there that you just wrote. And so I've got it right here. I made a copy for every one of you. And it's got scripture on it that you can go back and you can look up some of the verses and maybe this will be a help to you, maybe it'll be something that you can spend some time personally. How many of you have heard any, like any of this that I've gone through tonight, you're well familiar with it? About five or six hands, all right? So that's that's kind of what I figured. Brother Guy, you want to help maybe Brother Wally, if you guys uh, head head around there, and uh, want to make sure we get a copy of these out to everybody tonight, and uh, I think there's a couple extra if you got somebody else that uh, maybe you want, want two of them or something, but Listen, folks, how many of you realize we have, we have a treasure in the Word of God, do we not? And, and as you look at the Word of God, it is clear. If you look at this chart, how it deals with, with man's behavior, and then in the New Testament, you see that it is dealing with man's beliefs. And so it's so important for us to understand that when we talk about rightly dividing the Word of truth, look here, all these dispensations, they're distinct, and there's a pattern to them, and I love how you can study the Word of God. Maybe some of you will start to see this now as you're studying your, your Bible, all right? Well, let's pray, and we'll be dismissed tonight. Lord, thank you again for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy that we saw evident tonight. Lord, I thank you for the Word of God and the richness that it is. Bless this evening and help us as we study your Word to understand it, rightly divide it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.